guys, welcome back to the Black Tribe M456 podcast. We're combining them right now uh, as John McAllister's kind of taking a break from M456. It's awesome. He's in a great place, hearing a lot from the father. Um, Lisa and I really wanted to get back in the studio for marriage stuff. Um, our last podcast was on hate. <laughs> you got to listen to that one. That's crazy. Um, and we got to do a shout out for November 3rd through the 5th in Colorado Springs. Marriage Intensive at a beautiful place, Kinship Landing. Yeah, you said it right. It's uh, owned by an old youth pastor, actually. Is in, it? From the city. It was a youth pastor at New Life. And it's beautiful. It's brilliant. Little it's in a, the cool, like the coolest street. Yeah. Yeah. It's on and Nevada. It's, it's on downtown. Nevada. There's just you can so walk many to cool bars and coffee shops and all kinds of things. Um, we're going to have all your meals taken care of. You're going to have an incredible room, romantic. So you're going to make a lot of love while you do this thing. Which will help any broken marriage. We certainly are going to be. Um, <laughs> it's and our then anniversary we, we have a cocktail hour. That is our anniversary <laughs> weekend. We're going to make the best of it. We're going to have so much what, fun. What is that, 23 or 24? 23. Okay. So make sure you've got that on your calendars. If you're watching us on patreon.com slash Gary and Lisa Black, you have the video. It's you a get great deal. And it's uh, a it's, month. It's Yeah, it's all, I mean, we are just giving, giving our lives away yeah. over here. So go to GaryandLisaBlack.com <laughs> and hit the schedule button and you can see the details on the marriage stuff. Um, joining us on jointhejourneyman.com, I hope. What are we talking about today, babe? I thought we should talk a little bit about um, elders, leadership, you know, the coaching we do versus like therapy versus just what is the, what is it that we are needing right now on the earth? And what is the Lord speaking to our hearts? Because when we met, it was pretty clear we were both fighting for the next generation. We were fighting for the fatherless and we were doing it differently. You were dealing with a lot of um, Christian, you know, younger people. But a lot of them were fatherless, and there's just an entire generation of fatherlessness. And I was like, kind of like in it with with fathers that were really didn't have a clue what it meant to be. They're coming out of a gang or coming out of prison, they and they didn't have fathers, and they didn't know. And then the motherlessness that goes with that. But you and I were just talking during the break that that scripture is, I think, a call really to the elders to step up. Mm. Is because the first part of Malachi four five six is turning the hearts of the fathers to the children. It Absolutely. starts Which with the fathers. Which means women always do. Yeah, parents. it means, well, anytime you read <clears throat> in scripture, man, it's yeah. mankind, mm -hmm. which is men and women. Okay. And when we talk about fathers, we're talking about the spirit of mothering and fathering. So it doesn't necessarily have to be your biological children right. or your adopted children. It's a generation that needs to turn. And every generation has an offense you know, it's like, well, just yeah, like, you have to. they do. And, but here's the thing. If we can remember that every generation has a problem to solve on the earth and a purpose that's different than any other generation, we can encourage that instead of focusing on how different they are. Absolutely. And there's a cycle, uh, that I've been reading. Um, and so you have a hero generation, which were the millennials, right? And you, you have this cycle that happens in generation, generationally. And it's really interesting. I, if, you got, if anybody wants the notes, just hit me up um, on email and I'll send them to you. But it's powerful and I'll get a title to it. And hopefully we can uh, Levi, we throw that up there for us. Um, but it's been fascinating. So elders. Now, there's been a couple words in the last decade that have become really bad. Honor is a bad word. The it mil is. millennials hate it. Okay. Um, 
I think we need to take it back. Was it abused? I was doing a, we were doing a rethink retirement in Pennsylvania a couple years ago. And one of the young guys was there and I didn't realize how, how much this word stung the generation. I mean, these kids hated honor Mm. because it's been abused. You need to honor me anyway. You're going to honor me. You're to be seen and not heard. It's just been, there's abuse with that word. And he literally in prayer came to me and asked for forgiveness and said, um, I want us to take that word back. I want us to make it mean what it really means. And so when we're talking honor. Um, what does on, it really mean? Well, it's that I'm going to honor you as a person, um, period. <laughs> I'm not, I don't honor you so because of what you can do for me or how much you can perform or how Christianese you are or how much Bible you read or don't read. I honor you as a person because you're a living being. And if I can honor you in that way, that's true honor. If I have to honor you because you're an elder, that pisses me off. Well, and I think that comes from, that's the religious cultish side Mm -hmm. of everything is where you just have to be obedient no matter what. And that was taken into, I've, I mean, I have a sibling that those verses were used against her in a marriage where he was abusing her and abusing the kids. And he pulled out scripture. Yeah, and it was disgusting and right. vile what he did, and she got away from him, so we're okay. But it was that I, I, I can see that I can see where that's happened because any cult you look at or any, it's just this which most blind Christianity can following. Yeah, you know, it's just this. I'm saying it's it, well, it's basically saying I'm God, right? And so you have to listen to everything I say, and I think that's where people have been really hurt. So elders in the scriptures, so that's where you're going. Okay. Okay. Where do you want to take us? Um, just, uh, what, what are, what is the point of elders? What is the point of fathers and mothers? And what is our responsibility as, cause I, I don't want to focus too much on what's the younger generation's responsibility. Cause that's, I'm going to go back to that scripture that says turning the hearts of the fathers towards the children, which I think means we have to listen. We, if we listen to this generation, we're going to learn things. If we listen to the way that they think about marriage and having children and finances, instead of just saying, you're wrong, let me tell you how it is. You know, because right. I've had kids come up to me and they're like, listen, we think it's great that you bought your first house when you were 19 and you did this and you whatever. We can't do that. And I mean, if you do look at the structure now. Right. You know, my first house was fifty thousand dollars, right? So it was very, it was, I could live a very reasonable lifestyle, and that's not necessarily an option for everybody right now. And things have changed, and we do have to look at that. And I don't think they're saying that out of a victim mentality. They're saying that out of, I am, and the people we're around, like we're around people that just work all the time. All of our kids work all the time, and it's survival, and it's it's all the things that it is. That is not being a victim. They're not asking anyone. They're not asking the government or anybody else to just give them things for free. They're out hustling. What they're saying is no matter how much I hustle, I don't know if you realize it when we were um, at the, we took a motorcycle ride on Sunday and we had that cute little family. There's this, y'all, for y'all that don't live here, there's a a place up in, um, in um, Palmer Lake that's called O'Malley. O'Malley's and Steak and Pop. world famous because they have not cleaned, decorated, or <laughs> upped the menu. They don't have to. In, the they so don't good. care. The food's so good. You can cook your steak. You can, But it's a biker bar, and everyone yeah. comes to show off their, their bikes. But there was this little family next to us, and 
um, they had seven children that we could see. And then when she stood up to leave, they, they were pregnant with their eighth. And Gary, you couldn't, you couldn't, you were like, oh my God, how many kids? I was like, dude, they only have one more than we had. Yeah. That was us. Right. But what I was noticing was the, the really sweet waitress that kept coming over and the little blonde that kept coming over and checking on us. She was talking to the little girl. She was that little girl's teacher during the week. Oh. And she works at O'Malley's on the weekend. Okay. Now, I just want you to think about that. Neither one of those careers is easy on your body, easy on your mind, easy on... Like, that woman is working at a school 40-plus hours a week and then working at a bar on the weekend. And I don't think she's looking for things to do. (laughs) I think she's trying to pay your bills. Yeah. You know? And I think that's the reality of what this generation is saying is, is we are in a place here where we feel stuck and no matter what we do, we can't fix it. And that's where a lot of their frustration and their anger comes from. If we don't really listen to them and watch their lives, we won't understand that. So I think that's part of the turning is just like turn your hearts towards these children and listen to them instead of cutting them off and saying, you have no idea. I I fought in five wars. You did. And God bless you. And we salute you. I walked uphill both ways (laughs) in the snow to school, which is true for me. It is. But you know, we didn't, but we also, didn't know any different we didn't like if you right. it, it's just what life like my dad calls me all the time and he's like honey I know that you love those pictures of your grandfather in his overcoats because you think he had such great style we were freezing yeah he's like he wasn't trying to be different cool world. he had layers of clothes on all the time because we were yeah. so cold and I would say also biblically and I want you to read a couple of these scriptures around elders um, but you need to understand context again right I'm going to always drive us back to understand what you're reading don't listen to other people don't take it from other people's voices. Don't be an echo. Mm. Call, call Holy Spirit up and say, come read those scriptures with me and let's learn the context, the, the who are they talking to? Why is he saying it this way? What are they talking about with elders and why women couldn't be one? Mm. And, and, and we've immature, ignorant preachers have taken that and said women shouldn't be in leadership. Junk, another uh, very empty religious teaching, right? Doesn't does, that's why you need to do this on your own. But these guys that they're talking about were elders in the church were in their thir- early 30s, maybe 20s. Is that because of life expectancy? Yeah, their lifespan was like 30. Like, like dysentery is going to take dying you out at 33 anyway? was about what he would have died at. Wow. Right? And so, and now they were educated much more than we are. They had to have. They started know, younger and they, they were had more to memorize tense. the whole Pentateuch Can you imagine? before they were eight years old, right? And so they were educated and taught, and their life was much, much harder. And they had persecution. We don't have it, right? So it was a different world. But when he's talking to them, he's talking context, right? He's saying, he's exegesising the scripture, going, look, this is our current situation. Mm-hmm. This isn't talking about 2023. I know. Now, we can take the principle of that and apply it to our lives. Principles don't change. That's why scripture is alive and living and why we study the scriptures. We take all the principles that they're talking, Jesus and Paul and Peter and James and John. We take those principles and apply them to our lives, but they were talking to their generation. And so when we're talking to our generation, this generation, and what I hear you saying is we need to turn our hearts towards them and really listen to understand them, not just say what we're going to say next and tell them to get over it. Right. Sometimes what they do need to be told to get over it because Absolutely. they whine too much. And all these damn podcasts of these, all these popular people right now, Christians especially. I just, like, if I hear inner child whiny, one more time, yeah, I'm going to stab golly. myself in my It just eye. perpetuates It's just the, the victim mentality. Yeah, I mean, just, I, I, you know, if you if your feelings got hurt because, you know, you didn't have your training wheels on, your mom 
wanted you to put shoes on. I think you're going to be okay. Right. I don't think you're going to end up, you know. Uh, my dad, my dad's 80, 40. <laughs> we were at lunch the other day and some kid rode by on his bicycle, like a three, four year old with a helmet on. He's like, why does that kid have a helmet on? <laughs> your dad would say that. And my, my dad, your dad's like, I rolled bowls and I didn't even put a helmet right, on. Right. He I know. did. <laughs> He's like, why does that helmet on? Yeah. So, okay. So I hear what you're saying and I like that. So give us some scripture around elders. Well, apparently, apparently. elders are supposed to be. They're supposed to be shepherds. So we're going to go to Acts uh, 20, 28. Um, the elder's mission is to teach, lead, protect, and love the members and Ooh. shepherd them. Yes. So when I was reading that, I was thinking, you know, the other thing that I think we're supposed to do as elders, teachers, coaches, uh, mothers, fathers, is to speak life of other coaches, teachers, mm. elders. Because if you're insecure in your in your world the first thing you want to do is put down anybody else like we're in competition or something right you know and so i always i try to go out of my way when someone's talking about their mother i'm like if they're talking negatively about their mother i say you know honey have you ever looked at life from her perspective right. have you ever thought about have you asked her about her childhood have you asked her about her inner child have you you know like <laughs> yeah. did you know yeah, yeah. and also if you're always focusing on what someone else did wrong in your life, and then we as elders are encouraging people to do that, it's just going to be a victim pie. Yeah, which is mostly all we've ever known in ministry because most leaders are, are insecure. insecure. They just are. And we've been through with much older leaders that are extremely insecure so and cut down everyone else all the time. Constantly. And we had to leave one of our last places because it's like all the time. I right? couldn't take it anymore. And so it's it's because of the insecurity. And that's not being an elder. No. That's being a child but not childlike. That's yes. being childish. Exactly. Yes. So we are to be childlike, which means we're innocent and we love and we want to play with everybody and we don't see color and we walk this life, childlikeness. Exactly. And we know when danger's around and we know what we like to eat and we wander and we want to see, we want to, the, the stars take our breath away. And, and you play. Life and yeah. we play, right? That's what Jesus is talking about of being like one of these because you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you're child childlike. If you're all staunchy, religious, insecure, and cutting everybody down all the time, and like our last podcast, gossiping all the time, creating hatred, right? That that is not the it's kingdom. Not I think healing. we're going to be really surprised. Super surprised, right? Super surprised. Keep going. Okay, elders are um, pastors, shepherds, and teachers, and they live through example. So and they what? They li- it's it's their their example, and so one of the oh. things. I think you and I work really hard on is we're pretty flamboyant with our happy marriage. Not that we tried to hide when our marriage was bad. I mean, we couldn't hide it. It was coming out of our pores. (laughs) Everyone, you know, we walked in and our hair was on fire and I was like, you guys aren't doing too good. I'm like, no, we're going to kill each other as soon as this dinner party's over. But yeah, it's the, it's the, how are you actually living your life? And this, that's not about perfection, but I think none of us want to take wisdom or advice for some from someone who is immoral. Right. We don't want to take marriage advice from a man who's cheating on his wife. We don't want to take marriage advice from a wife who hates her husband. You know, it's like it's ineffective. I think our example and the way that we treat people is probably our strongest witness that will draw that will draw people to you. A hundred percent. And it's <clears throat> it is I think where we mess that up is there was this idea that um, we're perfect around 
church friends or were perfect on Sunday mornings. They were perfect. I mean, everybody has a story of my mom and dad were cussing each other out and we pulled in the church parking lot. Like, God bless you, brother. Bless you, brother. Bless right. you. And that's why kids hate church. I mean, that's why they're it's like, yeah. wait, my dad was just punching my mom in the head and my mom was just calling his names, but they're like, brother, sister, bless you, love you. Right. We want authenticity, but we also have to realize that our character and our example are going to, sh- to shout louder. And Jesus was a brilliant example of this. He was so careful with his words. He was so careful with his timing. He was so, he was like broad of vipers. You think that was... Uh, no, I mean, he, that's the truth, though. Right. Right? Yeah, no, absolutely. At, at, at the penalty of him being persecuted, yes. which he knew that was how it was going to end. But he also knew there was timing in it, which is why he walked away from certain. If you read the New Testament, he just escaped. Yeah, he, he just was just gone. Through him. Well, he, just, he got out. He was out with the Pharisees. Because it wasn't time. For three years. He was with the Sadducees for a couple of weeks, and they killed him because they were the mafia. And and they didn't believe in resurrection, right? And that's big. There's a big difference between Pharisees and Sadducees. You need to go study that. It's beautiful. I always get but the Sadducees killed him. They were the mafia of that day. And Jesus would walk through them. He would he, but he would rebuke them. He would speak the truth in love, and he would choose his words carefully to do that. He would flip over the tables yeah. because he was trying to end old covenant thinking. He was trying to bring us into new covenant, and they they just insisted on staying in their old covenant ways, their old covenant systems, which we're seeing a lot in the church today. Yeah, people insist on their way, and their mega church system that they've built, and their prosperity systems that they've built, and it drives people away. That's why the generation doesn't want to go to church. The the generation is looking for authenticity. They're looking for elders who say, like Paul said, "Follow me as I follow Christ." If you can say that to somebody and actually disciple somebody and that's they know your statement. life inside and out, that's what he's talking I about. I would be careful with those statements, though, because the second you say that, you're under a microscope. Absolutely. Right. And so if you're not doing it, you can't say it. I know. Right? And so discipleship, and we've turned discipleship into evangelism. Like when Paul's talking about this, uh, what we say is evangelism in, in his writings. He's actually talking about discipleship. It's very simple to go read and, and figure that out. But discipleship was, man, these rabbis, if you see, we see rabbis in the Istanbul airport, and if the rabbi gets up to go to the bathroom, all eight it's guys stand up and follow thing. him in and do exactly what he's doing. They and do. they don't even talk to each other. Right. Well, they they're do not, in there. No, not when, when they're, peeing? they're not like women. They're not like, I got to pee. Do you got to pee? Uh, do you want to go with me? I'm going to, you know. Well, like, no, they follow they their They just go. Rabbi. It's amazing, though. Men don't have to really talk. But they that's the level of discipleship that Jesus is talking about here. Are the, you going to start doing eldership. that? Do you well, want I, little people following you in the bathroom? No, I don't want to do that part. Your boys used to I, they, they were little. And we'd have sword fights. Ta- I know. <laughs> I love cleaning the toilets after you guys did that. Okay. Okay. Keep moving. Okay. So let's just bring this full circle then into where we are now and what is happening on the earth and what is our job. So the elders definitely, they have to turn. They need to listen. That's the first part. The, the, the idea is not to convert them to your way of thinking, but to build a relationship of trust with them. And you're only going to do that if you listen to them. Right. So what what would someone younger, what would their motivation be to find an elder, a mentor, uh, a, a coach? Well, uh, I, I still believe that sons pursue fathers, daughters pursue mothers, right? And so I have a bunch of guys still that pursue me. They hit me up, what day's going to work. They know they're going to buy me a beer if we're going to meet or buy me that coffee. Um, they honor that, most of them. And I say that word honor, right, loosely. 
Um, they don't have to do that. I mean, I had some friends rebuke me for that the other day. Like, oh, they have to buy you that coffee. I'm like, they don't have to. But that couple also has not done any discipling. Right. And so, and, and like, I take my dad to lunch every Thursday. I'm going to, I'm going to always pay for that lunch. Right. I'm never going to let him do that. Right. When I take his whole family out, I pay for it. Right. Yes, you do. With the special needs kids. So. And I eat a little side salad. <laughs> everyone else can eat. But it's just that, that, that to me is honoring an elder. Yeah. Right. They've paid a price. A price that most of us don't understand or know. We won't. Right. And yeah. now most elders become bitter and angry because they never step into that second half of life. So we know a lot of that, and that's hard to honor. I understand that. But if you if you have a good man or woman in your life that's older, and I promise you, if you're searching for something, it's going to show up. Yeah. If you're hungry, if the hungry get fed, that really is a true statement. And if you're searching to be discipled, you you will find somebody. That person will show up in your life. They always have for me at the right times. Now, I've only had a couple of people disciple me, and I've never really had a spiritual father. And I want to hit that real quick um, because it's more of an ego statement than it is anything else. Um, but discipleship is a whole other level than what we've made it in the church. And we really honestly don't disciple in the evangelical churches. Where there's just no discipleship happening. So if I'm doing life on life, and you can watch my life and do what I do. Because the focus in evangelical churches is just get people saved. Build. You're building your own empire. Okay. And we're just getting people saved. It's the gospel of the salvation, not the gospel of the kingdom. And then we're just like, good luck, figure it out. Right, figure it out. And man, let's get off this planet because this sucks. I hate it here. We've got to get rescued. I'll right. So we're for a church that we served for a while. They stopped having babies there because the end times are coming. The church you served, I was way too smart well. for that shit. <laughs> I was like, That's a true statement. This is a cult. It's, well. <laughs> and so my whole point in that is watch my life, do what I do. And so for me, I take that very seriously. So I've got Brandon and I've got Nathaniel and I've got these young guys. Noah and I've got Black. 40-year-olds and I've got 50-year-olds. I've got some guys older than me that I'm discipling, yeah. right, that I meet with consistently and I, they know I'm going to ask them hard questions. They know they can ask me whatever they want. They know that I'm going to tell them if there's anything happening in their life that needs to be corrected, I'm going to let them know. And that's why they come to me. They don't need more another good message. Well, they don't and need another, good another worship service pastor. And can you talk about the difference yeah, between well, huge. fathers, pastors, teachers? Like yeah, what's we, the difference? We have ten thousand teachers. We have not many fathers, right? Uh, Corinthians 9, 1 Corinthians 9, Paul said it. And it's true. We have all these teachers and all these podcasts and all these things, but we don't have anybody sitting down and listening and responding in grace. That's what fathers and mothers do. And calling up. Calling you up, not out. Not out. Right. Upward. Call you up to a new level of living. I'm not going to ask you to do anything I haven't done. That's what Paul said in that that verse. And he said, follow me as I follow Christ. He said, I'm not going to ever ask you to do anything I haven't done. Right. And so that's the true kingdom way. And that's true discipleship and that's true eldering. And if there's anything lack of that, then it's not true. It's not discipleship and you're not becoming a father or mother. Right. And so a lot of people run really quick and I know I, I get it. This fatherless generation, you just want your dad to love you. And so you call, I've been called spiritual father by thousands of people. I always stop that say, look, I'm not your spiritual father. Jesus said, don't call anybody father. There's a father in heaven, right? So don't call anybody father. That's number one. Number two, we love being called spiritual fathers and mothers when we're older because it feeds our ego. It strokes our ego. We thought, oh, I've got spiritual. I hear it all the time. It drives me crazy. 
if we've done life and we've done it really well and for a while and we've gone through some real shit together, real stuff, and we've broken porn off of your life and you've helped me see your generation in a different way and we've done some real meaty, valuable stuff. Family. I'll call you a spiritual son yeah. or daughter. You can call me a spiritual father. I'm fine with that because yeah. that's not my ego. I paid a price for that and yeah. so did you. Right? For me, that's it. True elders. And there's no retirement's not in the Bible. Right? I don't think it's, I've never seen it end it's, well. <laughs> well, you're, you're not supposed to retire. I, yeah, yeah. As we're getting older, I can see why people try to slow down. We haven't been able to, and we're not sure because we've lived on support we'll and done ministry our whole life. We'll probably never be able to, but that's okay. Right. It's, it's, we'll it's, just it run is what it is. It's, it, but it's not in the Bible. And so if you're going to take that retirement and go chase a white ball around in the only years of your life when you actually know something, I know we've talked about this before. I love how Rohr teaches this. I do love some of Richard Rohr's teachings, about 80% of them. Make sure you get that. Um, chew on the meat and spit out the bones and grow the hell up, right? <laughs> he says when you, you don't know anything, you know shit about shit until you're in your 60s. I could see that. Until you have some gray hair, you've lost some lives, you've lived some lives, you've beat a couple of diseases. And, you're, and overcome them. And I you've think overcome that's the them key. and yeah. still gotten back to the fruits of the spirit. I'm still full of joy. I'm still full of love. I'm still full of that's peace. That's the key. It's the key. It is the key, right? If I've done those things, then I'm I'm, I'm an elder and I, know, I need to go give that wisdom away. Absolutely. It's not for me. How much of that, though, is cultural? Because, you know, you go over to any Asian society or any African society, and they will carry their elderly men and women around and set them down at a place of honor. They listen to them. They feed them. They take care of them. They And those people generally live young, you, longer than Americans right. because they have that community. Though. There was what was we the were blue watching. States, the, the, blue, yeah. the, the blue zones yeah. where they live longer. A big part of that is the way that they treat their elders. But it goes both ways. The elders are living longer because they still have families, still have community. Well, they still, still have honored. something to live for. They have something to live for. Yeah. And they keep moving. Right. That was the thing that showed that documentary we were watching was so fascinating. But also, what does that do for the younger people when they, you know, because when I, this is what happens to us all the time. Like people will see us out and they're like, we, are you guys married to each other? I'm like, yeah. Cause we're just hugging, kissing, holding hands, whatever. They're like we never see that. And so it's, it goes both ways, you know, like when we're doing that, it's encouraging the next generation, just like the next generation is encouraged by seeing there's older people still living. Like this doesn't end 50. Right. I don't have to have it all figured out by then either, but I have something to offer. I have something to give away. For the first time in my life. Yeah. Right? First time in my life I actually know something. I know. And things don't affect me like they used to, and I don't care about my reputation. You definitely don't sweat the small I stuff. I don't care about my tan and how I look and all the things that we care about until we're in our 60s and 70s, right? And, and all those things go away, and now I finally have a chance to listen and to learn from the generation, right? Mm -hmm. And then I actually have something to impart. But I, I don't want to run to impart and tell them they're stupid. I want to sit and listen first and understand where their heart is and where they are. And then I want to lead them potentially into some more truth, right? Because that, that's what they need. Exactly. Now, I think a lot of you young people, I know you do because I deal with this a lot. You know more than we know. I get it. I knew more than my older people <laughs> knew, right? And I now I don't. And I love sitting with my 84-year-old dad. He's alive and doing well because he's serving these, my special needs nephews and nieces. Yeah. It's the only reason. He'd be dead he if he didn't have them. But yeah. he has a purpose. But he literally feels like 
first time in his life at 84, he actually is starting to understand some things. Yeah. And he's becoming so close to the father, he feels like they're becoming one. I know you can't go over his house without him saying, let me pray for you. Right. And it's a genuine, it's genuine, heartfelt yeah. prayer. Yeah. He's got his stuff. He'll pray for things that you're not concerned about, but it bothers him. <laughs> and so he just wants you to be okay. Yeah. You know? And it's beautiful. It's so sweet. Right? Yeah. That's a well-lived life. Yeah. Right? And, and it doesn't matter what you did through your life. You might have been through a divorce. You might have committed adultery. You might have screwed some things up. There's, it's always redemption with God. God always redeems. And so as you get older and you become a true elder, it's your time of redemption. Yeah. And young people are starving for true fathers and mothers. They're starving for Malachi 4, 5, and 6 to actually happen on the planet in their little community, in their little house where they're living and going to church and doing their job. They're starving for moms and dads. So you and I have pretty much always been discipling. We've always been mentoring. and We've always been teaching and doing these things. And then we started a coaching business. Do you want to talk about what is different from coaching versus being a therapist, being a counselor? Uh, yeah, yeah, quickly, let's hit it. Um, I think. And what do we do that's different? Coaching's been f- frustrating for us um, because most of the people we coach have therapists. Um, I have a hard time with therapists, trained therapists. I, 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 there are some good ones. Shout out to Karen Barnes and some other ones that are awesome. Um, but most therapists are trained to keep you stuck um, so that they can have a paycheck. We coach to see you transformed. Right. Right. And we, we chose not to be licensed. You were a professional counselor. We chose, though, in this season not to be professionally licensed because we can say and do things that nobody that else can't. Can. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and we're going to say and do those things. Right. So for me, uh, yes, there's there's need for therapy sometimes. Some people in our life some need some therapy and need to be on some medication. Do I think we've over-medicated the generation? Absolutely. We've over-therapied the generation? A hundred percent. That's we've created more victims than we've helped people get free. The point of us coaching is to lead people into transformation. I don't need you to sign up every week for us to coach you unless we need to do that in the beginning. But I can promise you after a very short time, you're not going to need us as much because we're going to lead you into truth. We're going to lead you into transformation. We're going to help you take your pain and your anger and stop transmitting it on everyone around you. And we're going to teach you how to sit in it and own it, hold good and bad things the same and begin to overcome your pain, overcome overcome your sin, overcome all the crap in your life. And why guys we've made salvation about me individualistic. What's the scripture? Jesus says, um, you, I, I did all these things in your name. God, I prophesied. I did this. I did that. I did that. And he says, depart from me. I didn't know you. I, 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 God doesn't know. I, he knows us. He's like, depart. I don't know that either. Right. Wow. I did this. I did that. I, and God goes, I don't care what you did. I want you right? I want your life. I want you to look like me. I don't need you to do all these extra things. Right. And so, and all we've done in church is made the pastor God. So much press pressure right? on yeah, a pastor. It's a ridiculous yeah. system. And right? It's broken. Absolutely. And in I, a lot of argument of Ephesians 5, which I don't agree that that's the only model that we're supposed to build our churches on. That's one teeny verse in Ephesians that we've taken and built everything on. But an Ephesians 5 pastor is just supposed to create better pastors than oh. him. 
When Ephesians 5 is profit, just is supposed to create better profits than him. It's not about building my empire and becoming a better prophet. Oh, God, Gary Black Ministries, right? All the things we do. <laughs> it's I. my job is to make you better than me and to see you go past me and become a better prophet than me. Yeah. That's what we're doing in our coaching. That's what I did with our Canadian boy last night, right? <laughs> I love him to death. And I'm not going to tell him he's stupid and wrong. I, I love his faithfulness. I love his heart. I learn from him. But I am going to tell him hard things yeah, and tell him where he needs to grow up and where, what he needs to look at. And they, you know what? They love that, though, and they come they back for that. They do. They keep they coming back. The, they want truth. But I think, you know, the, the basics of it is is reminding them of their purpose, reminding them of principles, because principles are across the board. Yep. If you are a giver, you're going to receive. I mean, it's just, uh, you can't. It's what do we always say? If you don't give when you're making 20 bucks an hour, you're, you're not, not going to give when you're when making you a million. million. You're just yeah, not. It's yeah. not going to happen. You're just going to buy more crap. But right. yeah, so I think it's in, you know, it's, it's been very awkward for me because I don't like the money part, but also we had to make decisions about um, if we're doing this 12 hours a day, there's no hours left to do anything else. Right. And, and honestly, guys, <laughs> that's our dilemma right now. Let's just be vulnerable. Like, we need to build our coaching back up. Uh, I let that th- go down. I stopped marketing it, and we've stepped out of the world race, which was a big part of our network. Um, but we need to build that back up because what that does is it gives us an opportunity to do s- discipleship, to walk people through transformation, um, which is what we're on the planet to do. Absolutely, It's income for us. I know that's hard for some of some people. That's how we make a living along with raising support. And it keeps us sustained. We have and to so buy toilet paper. We do have to like buy everybody. $400 <laughs> worth yesterday. Hello. Babe, we were out of everything. <laughs> we had no detergent, so yeah, that's, no nothing. That's yeah. my point. Yeah. It's a, that's our coaching. Um, it, you can go schedule it really easily at GaryLisaBlack.com. Um, we do premarital. Uh, we have a test that you can do, an assessment test for your marriage. We always encourage people. Uh, we don't like premarital. We do that a couple sessions, but we like you to come back to us after you've been yeah. married six months or eight months. Be married a year and have like one kid yeah, and, and then then we can, and then we can get back. somewhere. Yeah. And then you do individual coaching, which the women love you. Um, I do individual coaching. We do the marriage stuff together. We did a marriage tune up yesterday, uh, last night or yesterday morning yeah. um, for a couple. And so, yeah, we just want to holistically bless your heart and your life. We want to make sure you remember your purpose. Yep. Remember why you're called to this planet for such a time as remember this. Remember who you are. And become a better person than yeah. you are right now. In your business, in your ministry, in your mission work, whatever you're doing, we want to actually help you walk into being more of who you are. Because when you're yourself, you're the best you'll ever be. But you have to believe that first. Absolutely. So good, babe. Ooh. That was really good. All right. I'm inspired. Anything else? No, babe, you got it. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Love you. Uh, Make sure you get the information on the marriage retreat if you're married. Um, Hit us up to uh, get some coaching done on GaryAndLisaBlack.com. All of our podcasts are there. All of our videos, our YouTube channels connected to it. Um, We post everything first on our uh, paid sites, our Patreon site and our Journeyman site. And then we release them later um, to everyone. Uh, it's just a different way or another way we're trying to just keep our monthly income coming in so we can pay our bills. And so please join us in all of that. And thanks for joining the podcast. See ya. Bye.